0: Justin, sing me a song about stars.
1: Uh, here we go. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires, your dream come true. How's that? lovely
0: i actually thought you were going to sing twinkle twinkle little star
1: i almost did but i like jiminy crickets one the jiminy cricket one better
0: <laughs> i think it was kind of hard to come up with a random song you would have to sing about this one like there's really only one thing i could have you sing about i mean if i'm if i'm thinking correctly Ad astra means to the stars yep so that's really about it
1: yeah and i was like what could i do i mean he- because I and then I was like, Well, should I could I do the Star Wars theme or the Star Trek? But I was like, No, it doesn't fit. They have their own movies and stuff like that, so that didn't fit either. So yeah, I was slumped. I was stumped until just have, that moment.
0: You could have seen that uh that BOB uh jam airplanes. Shooting
2: stars, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh the yeah. The scars,
1: oh yeah, uh, Airplane, night, the night skies and the shooting stars. Yeah. I could really use a wish right now. Okay, that that's a good song.
2: For some reason, the song. first one I thought of was the Coldplay song, the the song "Yellow," where it says, "Look at the stars, look how they shine for you." That's the first one I oh, thought
0: of. Yeah, that would have been a possibility. See, we had all these options. Yeah those are good
1: ideas y'all always I'm come Justin up with these options why don't y'all start singing then
0: y'all got the playlist yeah hey, i don't sing motherfucker yeah you're the know. one that made it a habit of singing on episodes i never set that precedent
1: well it was supposed to be well i don't know it was just every now and then and then suddenly you were like Justin, sing at the beginning of all episodes so you just it. just kind of a thing
2: you love it no, i like
1: it i do i do like it well when i can think of something yes but sometimes i'm like oh crap because i just have to wait for sterling to say what is he gonna because i don't know he could have been like oh sing a song about spaceships or he could have been like you know i don't know what he would what he was gonna say
0: so sometimes it's hard i you gotta, almost said i almost said sing me the song that most reminds you of brad pitt
2: that would have been an interesting one
0: i think it would have been better if i had done that and you sang the same song <laughs>
1: <laughs> what What song does remind me of him? I don't know. That's
0: weird. You don't think of a Johnny Cash song for me, like, you know, making you reminiscent of Meet Joe Black?
1: (laughs) Um, That's so weird. Like Brad Pitt song for him. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think if he had a theme song, what would it be? But I don't know that. That is is actually a tough.
2: That's a tough category, but it would have been interesting. I always think now of Fight a, Club. That's an interesting oh, so, Well, I always think of Fight oh, Club. Yeah. So that makes me think of the Beastie Boys for some reason. <laughs> I probably would have gone mm, with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or I think about, what was that movie he was in? Snatch? Where he was like a... Uh, where he's a pikey. Yeah. Yeah, a pikey. Like that. Like that had a lot of cool, cool music in it. Maybe something from that. Now, that's a hard subject. If celebrities had a theme song, what would it be? Well, some you could definitely, uh, they definitely have one, but some are harder than others.
2: We should do this as a game in one of the episodes.
1: Yeah, because some people it's tough. Like I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, like, I don't know what I would say for that person. But like even Brad Pitt, because like he's cool. I don't know. He's kind of like that, but he's cool but he's not really like a debonair suave cool like a george clooney or anything like that. I feel like he's a little more laid back than that or he at least has that vibe about him. I don't know.
2: He does so now. I, don't know what song I think he, he used to be more like suave like like back when he was doing the ocean's movies and all that. I feel like he was Yeah, a lot I guess more, so, huh. Yeah. When he was married yeah. to Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> he was a lot more like that way and now he's more like chill, laid back, help the world type guy you know
0: yeah oh you're just bitter because he left jen aniston and you're a huge friends fan
2: um i just gave him a compliment about how he is now that he helps the world so there
0: yeah but there could have been more to your sentence that you just didn't say like he helps the world be a shitty place to live because <laughs> he left Jennifer Aniston.
2: Yeah, that is that's what it is. I'll just. Yeah, I let everyone else fill in the blank of what I was going to say. So, yes.
1: Speaking of her, when I was watching football, there was this commercial and there was a scene with her and Reese Witherspoon and I didn't know what it was. And I was curious about it. Yeah. Do you have any idea what that is? It's
2: a new TV show. That
0: is. Yeah, that's the new TV show. Like, it's called Morning Show. It's going to be on uh, Apple TV plus their little TV network. They're starting for like $5 a month in like November. And it's got Steve Carell, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. Oh man.
2: Yeah. It looks really good. I want to watch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like the scene. They're all, yeah, they're also doing that TV series that's like Jason Momoa, but he's blind.
2: Oh, uh, I don't know that one.
0: Yeah, it's it's like in some future world where everybody just went blind. So everything kind of went back to being like medieval and tribal kind of. Huh. And then he has kids with somebody and like kids or a kid or something like that. I don't remember. But they can see and like they're the first people born with sight in like centuries or some shit. And so then there's like another tribe that's like, We have to kill the people of sight. Because they all they all see as like sight as being a curse from God. You know, they see it as a bad thing because things went so bad when we had sight that we were cursed and that's why we're blind. And so people with sight means that like they need to get punished more or something.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I wanna check that out too now. I haven't heard of that one.
1: Yeah. I'm curious now about both of those shows they sound very interesting so
0: yeah I have to be getting on this There's yeah. another one oh, go ahead. there's like a a Haley's a Haley steinfeld series she's gonna do a tv series oh
2: is that that dickinson them. one Or is that a movie okay yes yeah
0: yes that's on apple tv plus so yeah we'll definitely probably check some of those out and maybe talk about them at the time in which they air i do think also they're they're not going to come out they're not going to binge them they're actually going to release all their episodes in like weekly oh, and shit interesting. Like that because like a lot of people are making the point that they're following the hbo model and not the Netflix model because it's obvious that they're sp- they're spending a lot of money on these shows and it's like they're the argument is that apple's trying to do like quality over quantity because let's be real netflix puts out a bunch of shit yep like they've got some good shows don't get me wrong they've got some great shows and movies that are netflix originals but they also put out a lot of bullshit so i think they're like like i said they're they're trying to follow that hbo model of while it might be less stuff it tends to be of a higher quality
1: well i'm all for that you know i may have to I may mean, have to wait a little longer, but if you're going to give me some stuff like even close to the HBO stuff there, I'll wait. I'll wait for you.
0: I'll probably do it like I do with a lot of HBO shows and I just won't watch it until after it's done just, and then I binge it all. And then just
1: binge it after that. Yeah. Yeah. There is that. So
0: Because, I mean, I've done that with all the Westworlds and stuff like that. The only show I didn't do that with was Game of Thrones because you couldn't. You could not do that with Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah. I was happy to hear it took a bunch of Emmys, right? Did anybody watch the Emmys?
0: I watched parts of it, but they did take a lot. That's good. It deserves them. I want to say HBO won like 38 Emmys between the technical and the uh, normal ones.
2: The technical versus the one. Damn
0: which was more than oh, the okay. normal ones like the ones are like best camera right. lighting and shit like that the ones they do on like thursday night before that nobody watches yeah so like between that and then like the normal ones you know i think that hbo took like 38 emmys which was still more than anybody else yeah golly wow
1: still the standard after
0: hey. all these years man. It's not tv
1: is it's hb fucking oh <laughs>
0: I think of all the streaming services, I think Amazon's probably the closest to them as far as quality goes with their originals, because I have watched I have watched some of their stuff and it it tends to be really good.
1: Yeah. And I keep hearing about I need to watch more of that stuff because I keep hearing about the boys. I keep hearing about Jack Ryan. I keep hearing about a bunch of stuff from Amazon. I need to get on that.
0: Well, Fleabag Fleabag, like swept a lot of the awards. Hmm. Okay. Okay for that stuff. Um. So did The Marvelous Miss Maisel, which is Amazon. Um. But they've also got a show, The Man in the High Castle, which is really good. I really like that show. The Boys is fucking phenomenal. The Boys is fucking great. Man, I need to watch... It's a very, and and they did did a really smart thing with it too. Like it is based on a comic series and not all uh, aspects of the comics hold up. It's very, very early 2000s in the comic and not all of that holds up now, you know, with our changes in, you know, society and like our social thoughts and everything like that. And they changed those in the show. They changed a lot of those aspects in the show, but they still feel, they still made it feel like that could have been a way of doing it in the comics too
1: okay cool
0: cool you know it doesn't feel out of place it still fits the characters themselves the characters are still the same they just kind of changed some of the situation and they made that still work we should talk about this movie
1: yeah probably (laughs) yeah
0: all right here we go Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. It is Heather, Justin, and I, Sterling. We are here to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie Ad Astra. Start off with you, Justin. What did you like about Ad Astra?
1: Okay, so um, just a little background on kind of my thought process going in. I had seen a few... previews for this film and um, and my first impressions were I was curious about it. I was like oh man it's got Brad Pitt and uh, some of the visual imagery I saw during the preview was um, compelling or at least intriguing enough for me to want to check this out. So I did come in with some, uh, just with the expectation that it would be a quality film. as And, and Brad Pitt, um, he's coming off of what was a, what we all thought was a great performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So this being more of kind of a solo effort, he was pretty much the only like big, big star in this. I mean, there were others, but he was kind of just the, the, the biggest one. I mean, of course, there was Tommy Lee Jones, but... But, you know, Pitt was tasked with the most to do here. He was the main character. And really, this movie is about this character. Um, And uh, I walked away for the for the most part. I feel like I was satisfied with this. Um, I know that this film right now is pretty divisive um, when it comes to critics versus fans and whether or not they enjoyed this. Um, but I think I'm siding. The more I think about the movie, the more I'm siding more with the critic side. I mean, first of all, this movie is gorgeous to look at. Probably, when you talk about cinematography and everything like that, this year, uh, probably one of the best looking movies that that I've seen this year. Uh, you know, and 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 especially like for your live action movies. You know, it's hard when you get into like animation comparisons and stuff like that. But as far as just live action films, I mean, this has to be one of the most beautiful ones. The, the imagery, the, the cinematography, the way that certain things are shot, even the way kind of some of the action sequences were done in this film are, they're just very, it was almost like the focus really wasn't the action more than, than it was providing you with all these like brilliant shots and like all these spectacle pieces and stuff like that. Like you would just sit there and eat and there's like this chase scene, this space vehicle chase scene that really is just breathtaking. And it's one of those things where not a lot of crazy stuff happens, but just the way that it looked and how just, brilliant it looked and it was full of depth and you know even though we were in out of space you just felt like there was a sense of depth and that it was just beautiful to look at throughout and there's a lot of this movie that is like that it doesn't say much the there are so many scenes where not a lot is said uh you might get a voiceover or two and the music it, it doesn't even have that kind of music that sort of kind of forces a mood on you. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Like sometimes you watch a movie and the music is telling you, okay, we're about to get intense or the music is telling you, all right, it's some, you know, right, we're going into an action sequence and it's fast paced, just like you expect it to be. But this film, I feel like, doesn't follow all of those rules. Like there are times where the music is just this real kind of subtle thing and it's more about visually what you were looking at. So to me, that made this feel like a different experience altogether. Um, And, and, you know, it's very much a space movie. So, you know, things like Interstellar and First Man and stuff like that kind of come to mind, gravity, where with the kind of space imagery and stuff like that. And sometimes all of those scenes and all of those visuals kind of run together. But I really feel like this, they, the, the director and the, and all of the set pieces, I really feel like they did enough to make this feel like its own distinct experience. Cause I did feel like that just watching the visuals. The next thing I'll say is that Brad Pitt is brilliant in this movie. I really liked this character. I felt for him as the movie went on. And, and he really is this kind of reserved sort of character that. Uh, speaks to himself a lot we hear a lot of his story through voiceover but even that didn't get tedious to me it was always expressing kind of what he was feeling it wasn't hand-holding with you or making you try to or we're you know we're voiceovering this so that you as an audience can understand it didn't feel like that either it it was it it always seemed to add something to him or his thought process or what he was feeling it seemed like It was done more for character purposes and not just because we're trying to explain something to the audience. And this is just an easy way to do that is for the character to explain it to you. So I even appreciated that aspect of it. But a lot of times he had to do things with his facial expressions or he had to express a sadness or he had to express um, uh, this this kind of reserved nature that the character has. Uh, oftentimes there are these parts where he has to be psychoanalyzed by these high tech computers and things like that, and they determine whether or not he's able to conduct these missions and stuff like that. And so as he's talking in these videos and expressing that he's calm and everything like that. And apparently he's got this reputation. Other characters talk about how he's legendary for being calm. So I like that. I like that they set that precedent early in the movie when something stressful happens. And he's just seems to be just cool hand Luke, man. He's calm under pressure. Um And then as the movie progresses and things happen and we're on this search for our father and things like that, you can kind of see him unraveling and you can and you see him kind of almost um falling into this this, this trap of kind of becoming what his father was becoming. And that was just another great thing about it. This story about this journey to find your father, your your long lost father, and also this journey on trying to find out who your father was, but at the same time, understanding how that affects you and what you are becoming as a result of this journey. All of that, man, I was just really feeling all of that. And when the film culminates at the end, And just some of the I loved some of the imagery at the end that I just have to talk about it. Like when we get to this proverbial showdown with him and his father and there's just all this imagery that just means more than what you're seeing, like the part where um he thinks that his father's going to cooperate with him and just come back with him on this ship and everything because the ship is dangerous. It's letting off these surges and these surges can impact the earth. So there is this kind of fate of the universe storyline that's also attached to him trying to find his father and a lot of what his father was doing was kind of the cause of this um of this crisis that this potential crisis that could happen to the earth and a lot of people had already died as a result of stuff his father was doing but when, when you think that um when when our character thinks that his father's just going to cooperate with him and and that's another thing Tommy Lee Jones just did a great job too as this father that was just unraveling and you could just kinda see how he was consumed by this mission or what he thought was significant. And all of that really just worked. Uh, Clifford was the name of uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character. And I mean, all of that just worked to me, but the scene that I was getting to and wanted to talk about was just, man, there's this part where um, he got, where Clifford activates something on his suit and it causes both him and Brad Pitt or Roy, um, Roy, who was, uh, the name of the character that Brad Pitt played man, it causes them. And they're like floating out in space. And it's almost like there's this image of them kind of floating out in space, but it's almost like he's carrying his son with him. And they're attached by this. Um, and they're attached by this, um, like space tube or whatever, that's keeping them together. But it was almost like this scene of them kind of headed to death and his father kind of carrying him to that. And there's all these events and things that happen in the movie where it almost seems like Roy is becoming his father. And this was kind of like the moment of truth. His father is going to drag him to death. And there was the scene where they they, they, but then they get face to face and Brad is and um, Roy is trying to save him. And Clifford tells him, he goes, man, you've got to let me go. And I, I just love that. And so when we get that pivotal scene and we get that pivotal moment where he does have to learn to let go. And he does have to learn that, you know, that 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 in this situation, not everything is what you hoped he had been told that at first that his father was this hero. Then he had to come to grips with what his father actually was. And then in those moments, there was this moment of truth where if he hadn't let his father go, he would have become his father and he was already showing the signs and he was already doing certain things. And there's a relationship, um, that, that that he hearkens back to constantly and a lot of his actions and what he was doing in his relationship with this woman were kind of symbolic of the pain and things like that that were torturing him with this relationship with his father. So I just thought that that was effective, man. I really felt that. I really thought that the imagery there and the story that they were trying to convey landed. So overall, I appreciated this film. I thought that it was a visual feast. It is very much a slow burn and there are some pacing parts that I don't agree with, which I'm sure we will get to. But overall, man, I appreciated this. This was very artistic and it was very well acted. And the story landed with
0: Heather, your turn. What did you like about Ad Astra?
2: I definitely agree. It's a very beautiful movie, like all of the shots, everything about how it was shot and what they showed was very beautiful. Um, Great effects. Just everything was awesome in that aspect of it um, I loved the score in this I loved that it was there were hardly any parts in it where they weren't playing um, music when something was happening and I don't know what it was but I just really loved the score in this I loved the music that they played at the certain parts I think it did really help set the tone of the movie in general because it's definitely um you know it's it is one of those it's a it's a dramatic movie. It's not necessarily an action space movie. It's a dramatic one. And the tone of that, it helps set the intensity of it. And just the the somberness of a lot of the things that happen in this movie. And um, I think that it was really beautiful like just it was very a noticeable thing for me just the music that was being played throughout the movie so i did really enjoy that too and casting wise i mean you really you can't get much better than brad pitt and tommy lee jones like i've been a huge fan of tommy lee jones for a long time and brad pitt so i just think that it was a good pairing to make them father and son and um of course uh Liv tyler i'm a huge fan of her as well and um yeah, I think that he, Brad Pitt was very good with his um, expressiveness of what he was feeling because he wasn't a man of many words. He was a very, his mindset was very like, you know, get the job done or go do this and very uh, to the point with everything is kind of what it felt like with him and everything he did. So he wasn't a man of many words, but the expressions of what you saw him going through throughout this movie was really excellent. Um, one that stands out to me is when he actually does uh, meet his dad or uh, sees his dad again face to face and just the conversation that they're having in his ship about you know just um, why he left and just kind of having that that moment of heart to heart in the way that they did heart to hearts <laughs> and it was you know you just see a moment when he just he starts crying a little bit you just see like a couple of tears and you you just tell you could tell he's just heartbroken by what he's hearing and it was really well done because it was so subtle in how he did it but just the you know the the way he said it and the expression on his face when he's talking to his dad and it was a really good moment in that movie that um i guess for all intents and purposes it was sort of coming to the climax of the movie really is when they met and they had their conversation. So I thought that part was really well done. Um, just the, you can tell the, the estranged relationship that Brad Pitt or that Roy and his um, partner Eve have is, I, I'm not sure if it's his wife or girlfriend, but um, significant other, <laughs> um, just how very strained, their relationship is and you can feel that in this movie the tone of that is very present in this as well and just how very um distance they are and estranged that they are from each other and um it was it was sad to see it and how they portrayed it but it was a huge part of telling the story that they were trying to tell and i really loved how they did that part of it and i liked the aspect of this where um i mean just kind of the the way that they portray going to space, you know, in today's age, (laughs) or whenever it takes place is like it it almost felt like on that ship, it was like a like an airplane, like first class, you know, and it was just kind of cool to see that take on it as like, if it's a spaceship, though. And I thought that was interesting. And then the whole going to the moon and the, it kind of, it was like a, like a building or like an island that you were trying to get into and all of the, the things that they had to do to get there and clearances and whatever. Like it was just really interesting to see that done the way that they did with that. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Cause you felt like, you know, this is something so common now. Everybody does this. Everyone goes to the moon, you know, and it was just kind of like, you know, they're, they're writing up the, escalator the elevators or whatever it is and they're they're like welcome to the moon kind of thing about it so it was just really interesting to see that take on it and just also how you can tell that Brad Pitt really or his character is he's he kind of has this mindset of like oh I've done this before (laughs) this is what I do this is my thing and very nonchalant kind of you know like like you were saying Justin like a very calm person is what he was and so um yeah, he was just very like following orders and doing his job. And that was, you know, his duty. So he was doing it. So it was, it was a really interesting portrayal of it. And I definitely think it was a unique way to do a space movie or this type of a movie. And the effort of it was really great because it was really more about the, the story of it and the, the story of the relationships between characters more really than, than anything else. And I thought that that was really cool how that was done because um, also just seeing the effects of when you do something like that, what does it do to the loved ones around you? Or uh, when you decide to take this path in life, why is it is it because of your, your father because it, it was for him in this movie, it was, you know, his father's life work and now he wanted to be a part of that or he became a part of that somehow so just kind of the interesting like little tiny bits of psychology behind it that you see with what's happening so I thought that was really cool um yeah I just think that the um just overall just it's a visually beautiful movie is really the best part about it and I also did like the the way that Brad Pitt was doing like a voiceover of what was happening kind of like he was reading a journal out loud or just saying his thoughts out loud to us, like narrating. I thought that was a cool way to um, kind of tell us inside his mind what he's thinking since he's not a man of many words. So that was consistent with his character, which was also really good. Um, Yeah, for me, those are the things I would say stood out um, that I liked about it.
0: Well, for me, I'm going to end up um, parroting you guys a little bit, some of the stuff. I mean, yeah, the cinematography in this movie is uh, phenomenal, there's one specific shot even that just insanely stood out to me and it was when brad pitt was driving um to the base to launch to the moon and it's just this gigantic like sweeping shot over him driving over some hills and what i would assume is california and it is an amazing amazing shot like that's what, it's just one of the shots that just screams like this is what cinematography is yeah um I, I did like the performances. I thought Brad Pitt was very good. I thought what you got to see of like uh, Ruth Nega and Tommy Lee Jones uh and Liv Tyler to a small degree and Donald Sutherland. I thought they did all uh, really good jobs uh, with the scenes they were given with a lot of that stuff. I will say this movie probably had one of the more surprising scenes for me in a very long time in a movie, because that scene, whenever they're on, you know, that Mayday mission to that, uh, that biology ship and you see like the other captain, like- Yeah. Just kind of floating and twitching. And then all of a sudden, it's baboon just <laughs> yeah. eating this man's face and then going, I'm going to eat Brad Pitt's face and jumps at him. And you know, he knocks it out and then all of a sudden there's another baboon. And I was just like, what the fuck did I sign up for? This is fantastic though. I, 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 I just absolutely love that scene. I was just, I was not expecting any aspect of that uh, whatsoever. Um, I thought, and, and, and to break down Brad Pitt's performance a little bit, I did think that the, one of the best things he did in this movie is somehow he made a man who is acknowledged to be a very calm and stoic person seem to have a lot of depth, and he did so without actually doing the things that you typically Uh, associate with depth of character you know he didn't have like this huge emotional range or anything like that and it's not like it's brad pitt wasn't capable of doing it the character didn't necessitate that in fact the character was very much anti that you know which then later made the scenes when he's, you know, with Tommy Lee Jones uh, just that much more impactful. You know, with Tommy Lee G- Jones being the character that or the the thing that could break down his barriers no matter what. You know, and they allude to that uh, whenever he's trying to send out the recordings to his father. And they're like, oh, your heart rate's elevating. Which they've acknowledged several times is just completely out of character for him. And just sending a message to his father um, is enough to causes his heart rate to elevate uh, especially whenever his father sends a message and they won't let him hear it you know i thought i thought those aspects of this uh were done very very well and once again it's a 10 out of 10 for those baboon scenes damn i loved those baboon scenes that scene it just it was just so out of nowhere that like i mean it it just instantly piqued my attention as as soon as i saw that guy floating and i'm like what is this and i was expecting just something i don't know why i mean i instantly jumped to aliens because this movie is packaged as a sci-fi movie, and I would argue it's not one. It is done in a sci-fi setting, but this is in no way, shape, or form really a sci-fi movie. And Because the science fiction itself is not is not the heart of this movie. That's not what it is. So I instantly jumped to Aliens or something like that whenever that, that was happening, which I should have known better because the whole premise of Why the Father Leaves is for the sake of contacting extraterrestrials, you know. So that shouldn't have jumped in my head. It's just that natural reaction to you're watching something that is supposedly a sci-fi movie, you know, and you see a motherfucker twitching in space, you know, that's, you know, my mind was watching a ton of sci-fi is instantly like, oh, what alien is fucking him up? And lo and behold, it was not an alien. Those baboons. I don't even know if it was a baboon. I'm thinking it's a baboon. I don't know primates all that well, but I'm just going to go with baboon. Um, Do you guys have any other... Uh, Likes before we move on.
1: No, you and you guys talking just made me think of some things that I forgot to say. But but yeah, and that and that was definitely something like what you're saying. And I think Heather uh, about what the movie is as far as it's not a sci fi movie. And I totally walked out feeling the same way. And I like what Heather said earlier during her part. It's very much a dramatic movie. It, it's a dramatic movie that's in, that just happens to be in space. It's like a, it's a drama. It really is more about that and the story of this journey than it is any of that sci-fi stuff. And you are totally right. Like I was definitely waiting on some sort of aliens and stuff like that, especially when we're getting close to, uh, getting, when we're getting close to his father, I really thought, That there was going to be something more at play. Maybe there's this alien that's making him do this, or maybe he's captured and like like by something. And we don't know what that something is because it hasn't revealed itself. You know, I was thinking maybe it's all these other things, but what I got was not what I expected. But I still loved everything about it, just this this father son showdown and everything like that. So even though it wasn't what I expected, I really enjoyed what I got. And, yeah, that baboon scene is or primate scene was an extension of that because none of us, the people that I watched it with, too, none of us saw that coming. We didn't know what they were going into, and you thought there was going to be this rogue person trying to shoot them, or you know, you just you think Star Wars, you think Star Trek, you think of everything that you saw before, but this movie just had its ways of saying, "Nope, that's not what we're doing with this." And so, yeah, I just appreciated that, and some other scenes as well.
2: Yeah, just kind of to tag off of that too. I actually really liked the fact that they didn't um, confirm. Or deny or anything if there was, um, extraterrestrial life because that's what his dad was looking for this whole time. And that's why he went rogue and why he, um, just kind of decided to stay is because he was just absolutely sure that there was other life out there. And you, you never saw that that actually happened. And you see the madness sort of that Tommy Lee Jones' character is rolling into because he's just so dead set on like, I have to find this, I have to find this. And you never get the, I guess, the conclusion or the resolution of like, that's what actually happened or that he ever found that. And I actually think that that's a really, um, that was actually a cool thing that they did in the movie because, you know, they could have done the play of like, this is why I've been out here. Look, I did find this life, but he never did. He just kept hoping that he would. And he left his family and he left everybody to just go search for this thing that he still had not found, however many years later. And, um, just that element of like, well, nobody's questions were answered. He didn't get answers to his questions about if there's, an, if there's other life out there. And, you know, it was just kind of like, a really cool way, I think, to to add it into the movie because, you know, it, it he didn't get answers to the ends of his questions. And so neither did we, you know, so I thought that was kind of cool.
1: And it almost kind of speaks to the point that there was never going to be a good enough excuse for why he abandoned his son and his family. You know, it was kind of one of those things like it it, it, it almost Which it mattered to him because that's what the the father was. Clifford was trying to do and everything like that. But in respect to Roy, it was almost like it didn't matter what the what he was trying to do, whether, you know, and it just kind of speaks to all those fathers who abandoned for no good reason. Right. Or just for whatever reason they think was good enough to leave their family behind. They're there. It's never the answer. You know, the answer is how you internalize that and how you deal with that. So I feel like that was also part of that, too. Like, it was almost a subtle way of saying that there was never going to be a good enough excuse. And our character, Roy, had to come to terms with that almost. I don't know if y'all saw it that way, but you you saying that just now just kind of made it feel like that's almost something else that that was trying to say.
2: Yeah, yeah
0: it on to the next part now yes yes okay so in your like section justin you called this movie a slow burn i'm gonna nominate you for understatement of the fucking year <laughs> A slow burn would imply that this movie had a pace at all. This movie is so fucking slow, I will argue that it doesn't. I don't think it has pacing issues because it doesn't have a pace. It is just borderline standing still for so long. For it, and I will give it credit, at least with its epically and torturously slow momentum. At least its runtime is only two hours because if this movie even went an extra 10, 15 minutes, I might have died of old age. I might have because fuck, it is just a a snail's pace feels like an F1 race compared to this movie. I cannot stress that enough. I am also going to not like the fact that they introduce that amazing baboon scene. And then that's all the baboon scenes I get. You can't tease me with such high quality baboonness and then cut it so short. That's just a disservice to the amazingness that was that scene. Um, I feel bad for every single person that's in this movie that's not Brad Pitt because every single one of those high-quality actors that they have in this movie is 100% wasted to an absurd and tragic degree. You have Ruth Nega who is amazing, amazing. Um, She was in that one movie. She got nominated for an Academy Award. I don't remember if she won it or not, but she did what well, she was nominated for it. And she's in the show Preacher. She is fucking fantastic. And in all honesty with her, the way her role was, I could have played that role because there's just nothing to it. Uh, Donald Sutherland, I feel like his role might have been written to be more, but he's just so old and fragile when they were filming he got tired too quickly, so they just kind of cut his character <laughs> off. Um, Liv Tyler, her character name should have just been girl that's blurred out in most scenes. Right. And I don't even remember if she says a single fucking word in this. So for the most part, her role could have been, they could have taken a picture of her and just done a like cardboard stand out and just blurred it because that was the extent of what her character did was just stand and be blurred out
2: yeah that really could have been anyone you're right
0: it just it did not matter it could have been me they could have just put a brown wig on me (laughs) left my beard it wouldn't have mattered and just made me blurry and it would have had all the same characteristics of her character um at least tommy lee jones had some meat you know had more than two scenes was able to d- just do something I'm like well good at least you didn't waste Tommy Lee Jones right. but I'm not going to give this movie credit for not wasting Tommy Lee Jones like it did the bare minimum which is not wasting Tommy Lee Jones is the bare minimum of having him in a movie um I'm also gonna not like this movie because I call foul on the fact that this movie's packaged as a sci-fi movie it is labeled a sci-fi thriller and I'm not even talking about from like just reviews or something like that I'm talking about it's it's Marvel marketing it's marketed as a sci-fi thriller and i will say this it's not what this movie is i'm not necessarily blaming like the writer or the director or something like that they have zero control over what marketing does but shame on them for saying that's what this movie is because it's not and for me going into something like this i love sci-fi i love it and i'm going into a movie that's supposed to be sci-fi and it does not deliver i am going to knock the movie for that because you can't get my little hopes and dreams up and crush them so harshly because they hinted at it they got close this movie honestly felt a lot like their first ant-man to me where it couldn't decide if it wanted to be a sci-fi movie or not so it kind of wanted to act like a sci-fi movie and just never quite deliver It kind of wanted to straddle both sides of the fence and never give you really one or the other so then it just really wasn't much in the end and i and the reason why i say that's ant-man is because I, that's how i felt with ant-man ant-man to me was a combination of a uh, of a heist movie and a superhero film and it tried to straddle the fence between both of them so much that it never really gave you a good superhero film or a good heist film It just kind of gave you good parts of both and i kind of feel like that's what this movie did is it gave me good parts of an emotional drama but then tried to stay a little too sci-fi at times to really nail that you know nail the drama part fully and then anytime it got close to being like a good high concept sci-fi it just Threw some bullshit in your face, so it never really delivered on that. Um, also, can we can we end this trend of anytime somebody's got a military escort that you know to stop pirates or whatever random thing is going to attack them for five seconds that the military escort is one hundred percent ineffective and just endlessly gets murdered, and the one person that's not truly a military person is the one person that's <laughs> effective against the enemy? Can we end that trope finally? Like, I feel like that trope's been around since the beginning of movies. It's twenty. 2019. can we just not do that now that'd be fantastic finally one one final part i understand that this movie is you know a dramatization of a possible near future where people might be living on the moon and you can fly commercially to the moon but the whole rationale of him flying commercially commercially to the room instead of taking a military transport, is that they want to keep his visit a secret and to not, you know, cause any alarms. I mean, this guy is a famous world, like, world-renowned astronaut. Do they really need, you know... Is the idea of him going to the moon and or Mars going to be, like, alarm-raising? He's a decorated person. Just say he's there to train some people. Yeah. Like, why do you need this elaborate cover story that he needs to fly commercially to then go and risk more lives just to go, you know, through the wasteland or whatever to get to the other side of the moon when you could have just flown there on a military transport. Like why? They did all that just so they could show you in this future, you could fly commercially to the moon. Oh, let's show you what flying commercial is. They just did that to throw some bullshit in there. It makes no fucking sense in any way, shape or form. And it's a weird version of product placement of more or less fictionalized products. Because that was Virgin Galactic. So it wasn't actually Virgin Airlines. I don't know if Virgin paid them any money or whatever, but they wanted to have Virgin Galactic and just show you this sci fi elements of this world. You know, that's what I mean whenever it kind of straddles the line of showing you some sci fi, but doesn't ever actually want to commit to it because it shows you that bullshit that serves zero purpose. And then I know I said finally. I'm obviously a fucking liar every time we do these segments. That motherfucker floats back to Earth, essentially riding a nuclear wave from Neptune. (laughs) Come the fuck on. You have pretty much our entire solar system to transverse, and you're going to tell me that he nailed the angle to get back to Earth from Neptune, and just momentum and inertia (laughs) was going to be enough to carry him there and just not get hit by, I don't know, another planet a satellite an asteroid just anything in the vastness of space and he nails the angle to like just land on earth perfectly give me a fucking break like that shit flied in 1960s sci-fi that doesn't fly anymore it doesn't i understand that it's just you know Supposed to follow this emotional scene, but to me, then it cheapens the emotional scene that he just had with Tommy Lee Jones and all this other bullshit to just happen stanzily make it back to earth. When I would argue that shit should have just destroyed him, and, and to me, it just cheapens it. I went from experiencing this like very good emotional moment to then just utter bullshit instantly, just takes me out of it. And then the movie ends, and then it ends, so the movie doesn't even give itself a chance to pull me back in. And I understand that Brad Point. Brad, Brad, point. What the fuck am I saying? Brad Pitt is narrating through a lot of this movie, but can we also end a movie without a fucking narrator? Over, dear fucking god, that's the second one this month. This just ended with just an abundance of fucking narration. That just can we just stop that too? Can we just stop all this bullshit, please? Hollywood, I'm begging you. <laughs> It's just little old me, Sterling, sitting here in the greater Chicagoland area, and I implore you to quit this bullshit, please. Heather, what did you not like about this movie?
2: Yeah, the first thing I was actually going to mention was the whole waste of great actors, Um, especially, well, I mean, Liv Tyler was going to be my one that I brought up because I was like, I mean, she's, I think she's super talented, and I think she's great, and they just wasted her. Like, she was in it for maybe a total of five minutes throughout this whole thing. And you're right. Like it could have really been anybody that played that part because she, she says maybe 10 words. Like she does a video where she says, Hey, I miss you. And I'm, you know, I don't know what we're doing anymore. And then at the end when he sees her or something, so it just, she doesn't say much, she doesn't do much. And there's so much potential too with just how strange how estranged and strained their relationship is in this movie. She has the ability to pull off like a really great scene to show that in a greater way than they did. So I'm really bummed out they didn't do that. And also another person they wasted, Natasha Leon in this movie for her two seconds that she was in it. I'm like, okay. I mean, another person that they just put in it just to put in it and that person could have been anybody else, but they made it her and then they didn't do anything else with her in this whole thing. So that was another weird one for me. Um, Definitely, definitely a super slow movie, super slow movie. Like there were some really great moments in it. And like I said, it was visually beautiful, but I mean, forgive me for saying it, but I think it was very boring. (laughs) Overall, I just think it was very boring. Um, And also with um, Donald Sutherland's character, too, you know, I do feel like they had potentially written something more for him because he out of nowhere just disappeared. He was important um, in getting, you know, Roy's character out there to do the mission and everything. And then he just kind of disappeared. And then they said, oh, he's being taken to emergency service or whatever it was. And then you never hear anything else about him for the whole rest of the movie. Did he live? Did he not live? What happened to him? Nobody knows. And they didn't even like follow up on that. So that was also kind of a bummer. Um, I also just like, I think I do really enjoy the father son strained relationship in this as well. But this whole thing of him going on this mission, because he's the last hope of getting him to come back home and be able to save earth and whatever it is that, that they had planned for him to do and i'm like but the thing is like what was it 26 years or something like that that he hadn't seen him and he thought he was dead this whole time and he probably has a million questions about that and they're just like everything's riding on him even though he just had this rude awakening that his dad has been alive this whole time and just chose to stay away from him like did they think that that was going to go in a good way (laughs) initially Like, I mean, I don't know. It just kind of, I feel like the setup of what they wanted to do was not well played because, you know, like give them some time to process the fact that, you know, this happened. And even when they get there too, it's they, I think the whole silence between them when they're, you know, face to face with each other is good. I think that it was great that they did that. But I don't know, maybe just like a little bit more of when Roy is trying to get his dad to come back home, maybe a little bit more of showing the effort that he put in to try and get that to happen. I mean, he went all this way. He risked all these people and all of these things in his life to find his dad for this mission. And then you don't really see anything of him being like, let me tell you everything I went through or even telling him how he felt about, you know, what he was experiencing, knowing that his dad was alive. They didn't go through any of that. And not that it's necessary for it. But I just think at least the whole trying to convince him to come home, I would have liked to seen a scene about that that was done because, I mean, otherwise, of course, it's not just going to be like, oh, hey, son, I haven't seen in almost 30 years. Oh, you want me to come back? Okay, cool. All right. Like, there was no way that that was going to be what happened there, especially if he was willing to pretend he was dead so that he could stay out there in space exploring. And so it just kind of felt like the setup wasn't going to work in the first place. And, you know, nobody really should have been surprised at the fact that Tommy Lee Jones' character decided to just say, nope, I'm not going to go back. I mean, I I think that he's kind of going a little crazy at that point anyway and he was on a mission and he also just felt at that point it was i mean it was too late to go back and he couldn't so there was no way he was going to come back and for anybody to expect that he was going to for brad pitt's character to explain that he to expect that he was going to like that just that wasn't realistic and that's (laughs) like people should have seen that coming I saw that coming. I mean, that was just going to be what that was. So I don't know. I just feel like they could have set it up better or at least had a little bit more um, exposition between them as to what was going down and some kind of an intense moment of them both really trying to convince the other of what they were doing. You know, like Brad Pitt trying to convince like, this is why you need to come back. This is what's happening, you know, and just even showing his emotion of how he felt about everything. And then Tommy Lee Jones' character being like, no, let me, I mean, he kind of did it a little bit where he explained like, this is why I'm out here. This is why I didn't come back. But just some more intense scene where you at least feel a little bit more for them and why they're doing what they're doing. Because I was just kind of thinking like this whole time, Brad Pitt's risking a whole lot in his life for someone that he seems more angry at than anything and hasn't seen in 30 years. He's risking basically his life to go out there just to prove that Oh, yeah, he is alive. Okay. Like, and knowing that he is alive, trying to be like, yeah, let me bring him back. I mean, I just feel like he risked a whole lot of things for something that he had no idea how that was going to go down and no means to think that he was actually going to convince him to come back home. So I think that was a little unrealistic and didn't, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really empathize with that aspect of the story because I was like, there's no way that would happen. Like, why would you expect that he would come back with you? (laughs) So that was another one of my points of why I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think pretty much those are the only ones that I can think of, but the fact of the pacing being so bad or so slow <laughs> it really, really, I think, hurt the movie. For me, at least it did. It hurt the movie a lot that it was so slow because there were points when they would do something really great and then it would, it lost me for a good half hour at a time. And then it would come back and I'd be like, oh, okay. And then another 10, 15 minutes, it lost me. It was very just all over the place for me with how they paced it. And unfortunately, that really hurt it a lot for me.
0: Justin, your turn. Go.
1: Okay, so the the more I think about this film and the more I saw kind of just the divisive nature of fan reviews versus critic reviews and stuff like that. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot this week leading up to this recording about like, why didn't more people like this or why didn't people like this as much as I did or why, you know, I had all those questions like, is it really that big of a disparity? You know, these people think it's gold. These people are saying it's garbage and stuff like that. And a lot of the things that you guys talked about, I think, are the differences uh, but between whether, whether or not you like this film or not, like you guys said, this film is definitely slow paced. I called it kind of a slow burn. And it really is one of those movies where, um, it, it, it doesn't have. The, the the kind of pacing that you're used to in a sci-fi action film. It doesn't have the kind of pacing that we're used to come, especially coming off of all of these summer movies and stuff like that. It's it is very much not paced like any of those. It's very, very like there are just these long scenes where the character's just looking, and since it's a man of few words, he's not saying much during scenes. Everything is a look or an expression and things like that. And what you guys said about the other characters I do think is a weakness of the film because it seemed like this movie wanted this character... By himself a lot. Like if there was a character that you that you found kind of compelling, like Donald Sutherland's char- character, well, he was gotten rid of. You know, he's there two or three minutes, and then he's got one scene, and then he's get they got rid of him. Or if there was um, a crew that he was riding with, or something like that, uh, where well, he kills them all, so now he's just chilling on the ship by himself. So before we got to even really appreciate any of these characters, they were killed off. So a lot of times this movie wanted him alone. And I guess in some ways it it was a lone man's journey. The, the, the feelings. And I, and I always harken back to this whole father, son, lost relationship thing. That is a very much an internal struggle and a struggle where you feel alone and you are alone and you got to come to grips with those feelings and emotions. So that aspect of it, I appreciate. But when you kind of go outside of those optics and you look at it as just a film goer watching a movie, there's nobody else to get behind because, you know, you introduce them and then you kill them or like the other character um, on. On Mars that you guys talked about, Ruth Mega's character, like she was introduced. She kind of had a compelling story. Oh, she's part of the family that the father killed and everything like that. But then because she had to kind of... Sacrifice herself to kind of get him out of that situation and get him on a ship to get to his father. We didn't, she didn't get to go with him. We didn't get to see her anymore. So that was kind of another character that was compelling and appealing in the moments that we met her. You know, you're like, ooh, who is this? But then, a scene or two later, she's kind of taken out of play. So there I do think that that is kind of something where that would as a as just your average movie goer, your average person just sitting there watching this, I could definitely see how that could be feel tedious or it can almost feel kind of cheap, like, man, you're introducing these people and you're taking them away or these good actors and actresses are not getting that many scenes. So I definitely understand the sentiment there. Also, I do kind of to kind of this is kind of, I guess, to Sterling's point about the not knowing if it wanted to be sci-fi or not. Some of the sci-fi elements in this do seem less important because the movie seems to be more like we said, it's about this drama and this journey of a son to kind of understand his relationship with his lost father and what that means and what it means to him and what it has to mean going forward. That is very much what the movie is about. And a lot of the sci-fi elements, you wonder if the movie even needed them like the whole this is the fate of the world and this surge is happening and it's blowing up the earth. And so you got to stop it before the earth gets surged away or whatever. Well, I mean, did the movie really need that? I mean, ultimately when you think about the plot of it, I mean, it could have just been, hey, man, we got a signal from your father's ship. He might be out there. He might be alive. We got some video and stuff like that. Uh, Do you want to go on this quest to go find him? We think maybe if you you maybe you can reach out to him. And we thought that you might want to be involved with this process to find him. I think really, if that was the story, it probably would have been just as effective without the whole surge, Earth blowing up, people dying. And I, I just kind of wondered if you even really needed that. I, I just think this son trying to find his father was kind of enough. You know what I mean? And then the fact that his dad was looking for aliens and stuff like that and we never saw those aliens. There were there. Were, it wasn't necessarily about his quest to find aliens. Well, he could have still been this person on that personal quest. But the whole surge, the fate of the world, Earth blowing up stuff, it just kind of feels like like when you think about the totality of the plot and the lessons learned, it feels like sci fi babble just for the sake of sci fi babble. Like I don't like that part of it. I don't think landed with me. I don't, I, and I wonder if it was kind of even needed. And like you guys said, I do think that even though for the most part the the movie kept my attention, there are some parts that just that that do feel like they drag. I think that at the towards the beginning of the film and really the first act, it was stronger in the pacing, like because you got that because you know th- there were things that took us away from the emotional. Impact of the film, where we got to see that um that, that that chase on the moon, or we got to see this cool kind of or you know this imagery and stuff like that of the moon almost being like this tourist place or this place that you could go visit we got some visually visually splendid things like that to kind of that were a little faster paced like I said that. Um, the moon vehicle chase and then the stuff with the baboons and stuff like that. But all of that is kind of more or less at the beginning, but uh, kind of like towards the end of the second act and leading in the third act. We don't really get any of that stuff. It really is just Brad Pitt. This character, Roy, reflecting or it's him looking at a video or it's him analyzing his mental state or it's him like doing all these things. So there are all these things that are happening. And yes, they are driving the emotional depth of the plot in, in a lot of significant ways. But as an audience member sitting there, I can definitely understand somebody sitting there and going, nothing is happening. And then whenever he gets on the ship towards the end and he kills all of the crew members. Well, because you didn't keep anybody alive or at least maybe somebody could have been alive and acted like they were cool with Brad Pitt being there. And then they try to turn on him and maybe there's a tussle with somebody there just before he gets to his father. But. He killed all those people. And there are just these scenes where he's alone on this ship and the scene where he's kind of laying there floating and all the lights turn on. They do that twice. And it's like almost shot for shot. The same scene of him kind of waking up in this ship, and he's walking around, and he's waving his head, He whipping his head back and forth, like that one song. And um, he's, you know, he's tired, or he's looking at the video like, oh, what's going to happen? And all of that just seemed to really, really drag. That that was the point where I noticed it, really. And I was like, okay, that enough of this. Can we just get to Tommy Lee Jones. So there, there are definitely some parts and I hearken the same sentiment that you guys are talking about with uh, some of the pacing. And I do think that overall, those were kind of... Oh, one last thing. At the end of the film, just some of the consequences, like he killed all of those crew members. And I get that this was supposed to be top secret. I get that, they, that, that this was being kept under wraps, but it was just weird how... There were just no residual effects to doing that at all. Those weren't necessarily criminals or bad people. He was just trying to procure that ship. And then they have to subdue him because they were receiving orders. So that was a very like uh, kind of precarious position he was in. And I get that he had to kill them. Or he felt he had to kill them, but it didn't seem like there was any consequences for any of that stuff. It didn't seem like there he had to answer for anything. Or it just, you know, where uh, the the stuff happens with his father, and then we're back on Earth, and he's talking about how he appreciates life now. And I do get that. That was this poignant message about you your life being consumed by these past things and these past relationships and you not appreciating the relationships in front of you all of that was like really really good stuff man But I don't know, man, but the journey to get there and some of the consequences that you feel like there should have been some, there just weren't any at the end. So that was a little mind boggling as
0: well. I am so glad, Justin, that you brought up the him murdering an entire crew of people and it not mattering um, because I was actually about to bring that up.
1: Yeah, like, really? Like (laughs) yeah i'm
0: sorry go ahead. yeah he murdered everybody well and on top of that he endangered the mission who's more likely to make it to neptune like three or four people or one exactly <laughs> like so he goes and murders everybody and endangers the mission and if the mission fails theoretically life on earth could fail to exist so he risks the lives of everybody on earth just to go fight with his dad or not fight with his dad or whatever the fuck his plan was with his dad all right let's do our recommendations and scores justin
1: all right man and this is another one of those tough ones like who do i recommend this to and i think this is kind of like one of those movies where um (laughs) <laughs> you you know, I, you, your, your recommendation, my recommendation depends on really what kind of person you are, what kind of movies that you like. You know, I know that my more people who appreciate more action oriented stuff, people who tend to like films that are faster paced and stuff like that. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get through something like this with that slow of pacing. So. I, I, if I do recommend this to anybody, I would have to recommend it to that more to, to with that kind of warning added on to it. This is very much one of those slow movies where they, they, they feel like they reward you with your patience and sticking with it. And then at the end, if you feel or understand or can relate to that kind of relationship message, that it has at the end, then you will appreciate this. You will see the painting for what it is and you'll walk out of the art room and you'll go, man, I really enjoyed that piece. That was that that was good. That spoke to me. But I don't know, man. I think that most of the people I know and a lot of people that I Uh, I just know how they watch movies and I just don't think they would have the patience for this. I just don't know if they would be patient enough to sit through this. So I so but I do think that but I do side with the film. I do think that the film overall is good. So I'm going to recommend but I'm going to recommend with that caution. This is slow. This is not Star Wars. This is not Star Trek. This is not Interstellar. This is not Gravity. This is not Armageddon. This is not any of that stuff. So just be forewarned, this is not that kind of a movie. So, yeah, I would have to recommend this to more kind of your artistic style people, people who don't mind those slow-paced but thoughtful, meaningful type of films. Um, as far as a score... I mean some of the things that we said tonight did uh, did lower my score. I was at an 85 but I think that after just hearing you guys and talking about it a little bit more, I'm going to go a little bit lower than that. So, I'm going to go with um with 70 um of Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> as Clippert yelling into a voice intercom and, and, and looking at a camera and yelling about how there are aliens and how he had to kill his whole crew just to prove a point out of 100. I still think that this movie, the quality um, of it and the, the technical aspects and the acting performances by Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones, I still have to give them props for that. But yeah, this is definitely one that requires some patience to appreciate in the end.
0: Heather, your turn.
2: Yeah, I think, um, if you are a fan of Brad Pitt and you really enjoy him as an actor, um, watch it for him and his performance. Cause I think Sterling kind of said it best when he talked about how he just kind of effortlessly and seamlessly just does the, the profound and depthness of this character when that's not, uh, but in doing it in ways that aren't conventionally how you do that and show that in a character. And that's actually dead on. And that's why it's a really brilliant performance by Brad Pitt. So I think for his performance, I would say if, I mean, if you're, if you're a huge Brad Pitt fan or, um, you know, just interested to see him do a very dynamic job with something where they don't give you much to go off of, um, yeah, watch it for that. But, um, Overall, for me, I, I can't honestly say that I would recommend this to anyone. I wouldn't just say like, Hey, this movie's great. You should definitely go watch it. Because for me, I, I honestly don't know that I would necessarily want to watch it a second time. <laughs> so I, I will not really recommend it unless you're just like really a fan of Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, score wise, for me, it really is right down the middle. I'm going to give it. Um, 50 dead floating bodies through space out of 100. I think the it really lost a ton of points because of its pacing. It really did. Because although it was only a two-hour movie, like was said earlier, it did feel longer than that, in my opinion. Like, I know, Sterling, I know you talked about how long that the IT Chapter 2 movie felt. I felt like this movie was longer than that movie. This was such a long movie or it felt like such a long movie, um, that pacing really, really knocked a lot of points off for me because it it was not able to keep my attention throughout the whole thing, and that's not great. So um, it definitely did have great performances, though, and great visuals, and so for that aspect. And the story, like the, the concept of what they were doing with the story was really interesting. So that's why I'm really right down the middle with with my score on that one.
0: For me, I would recommend this movie only if you're going to watch it at home, which is slightly disappointing because of how beautiful this movie is. Visually, this movie is worth seeing in a movie theater. Everything else about this movie screams watch it on Netflix. And if you've got a good enough TV, yeah, fuck it, it'll probably still look good. It just does not end up holding the weight that it should this movie is definitely less than some of its parts and just also be warned it's no matter how sci-fi it looks i mean at fuck at one point there are laser guns like there are laser blasters in this movie and somehow they still make it not a sci-fi movie come the fuck on so just realize this going into it and i think you'll be fine but just watch it at home so if you want you can pause it go to the refrigerator you know and eat you know a little packet of salami if you're on the keto diet or if you're not like me then like a box of (laughs) Cheez-Its or something just to break up the monotony that is this movie I'm giving it 47 there should have been more fucking baboon scenes than there were out of 100 any other thoughts guys no I'm good nope all right guys thank you guys for listening to the cinema slayers podcast check us out on the internet which is www.cinemaslayers.com check us out on Facebook, which is Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram, which is cinema underscore Slayers. Um, Check out any number of things. We will have another bonus episode coming out to you guys this week for Rambo Last Blood. So look for that in the next couple of days. And. Other than that, guys, remember Moon Knight, according to Justin, I fucked all that up. It's because I re- re- remembered right in the middle of me starting it. I also want to say, this week's also kind of super sad because Sid Haig died. And anybody that doesn't know who that is, that's Captain Spaulding from House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, he was also in Foxy Brown, and uh, Kill Bill Volume 2, and THX 1138, and tons of, you know, B-horror movies and sci-fi, and he was like on an episode of Star Trek. Um, he died... Uh, this week at the age of 80 which is super sad because i used to just be a bald guy that would have some facial hair but he is the one that inspired me to grow a beard and i've been pretty much bearded ever since so super sad so now i'll end it right remember guys according to justin moon knight is a best picture winner <laughs>